across this room. They're going to continue playing. We're going to sing that chorus here again in just a moment. I, I know it's a holiday weekend, and so, uh, you know, maybe we're, uh, we're just kind of laid back a little bit. But I just want to challenge you, encourage you, and remind you who we're singing about. Right. And not only about, but who we're singing to, because we believe his presence is here in this place. And as much as we want to honor those who have, have paid it all and given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, for us to be able to barbecue and grill and cook out and have a great weekend and ride motorcycles, whatever we're going to do this weekend, even to gather in this place, those who fought for us to have the freedom and paid the ultimate price, we honor them and they're worthy of honor. But they made a sacrifice knowing that it was a possibility that they would give it all. But Jesus knew that he went to the cross, that that was the only option. That it was the only the only way that we would have the relationship that we would have, that we have that we would have the freedom that we have in Him. The only way that our debt can be paid and our sin can be forgiven. It wasn't that Jesus went to the cross knowing that He might be crucified, knowing that it was an option. He knew it was the only way. It was the only option, and so He went willingly. He chose the Great I Am chose to pay the price for us, and He's who we worship because He didn't just die, but He rose again. He's alive to bring life. To us and the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, and we celebrate Him today. He's alive, He's here, He's worthy of our praise. So, come on, wake up! It's Memorial Day weekend, but wake up and let's worship God. Let's give Him all we've got. Let's, let's let people know that we believe He's alive and that He's here, and let's let Him know that we love and worship Him for who He is and for what He's done. He never did another thing for us, everything that He's already done makes Him worthy of all that we have. But he continues to bless us. He continues to do more and more and more. And so this morning, they're going to sing this again. I don't care. Sing it a dozen times. But let's worship. Let's give him everything we've got. Let's go after him with all of our heart and worship him like he's worthy of in this place this morning. Come on. All across this place. Raise your hands if you're comfortable with that. It's just a sign of surrender in your own words. Just begin to tell him, God, we're so thankful for who you are. We celebrate your life. We celebrate the power that we have through you. We are alive because you offered life to us, because you conquered death, hell, and the grave. You paid the price for our sins, so we worship you here this morning. Come on, lift your voices and sing worship of today.
that's you that we worship today. We lift up your name and we praise you. We worship you because you are worthy. You are worthy above any other name, above anyone else today. We celebrate and we worship who you are. Lord, we acknowledge your presence in our midst and we ask you to move as you desire to move. Draw us closer to you. You, your word tells us that if we would draw near, that you'll draw near to us. And we ask that you do that today. We open our hearts to receive. God, today is not about checking off a, a box for a Sunday that we've been to a service. God, it's about an encounter with you today. So I pray that that would happen. That we would know that you're here and that you're speaking to us. That your presence is moving among us as we worship and lift you up today. And the Lord, that you would do what you desire to do here today. If none of our desires are accomplished, if nothing that we have planned happens in the service, but Lord, we encounter you and you have your way, then we have done what we're here to do. We've met with you. That's right. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for this moment, for this day, for this encounter. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you put your hands together all over this place and give him a standing ovation. Thank you so much. You can receive it today. Uh, Celebration Sunday just means anything is liable to happen in the course of the service. We're celebrating anything and everything that God has done in our lives, that God has done in our church. And so you're going to hear testimonies today of God's faithfulness. You're going to hear about how he has done incredible things in our church, in individuals' lives. And what we're going to share today is just a little bit because if everybody would really share what God's doing in our lives, we could just have testimony time for the whole service and it'd be awesome. The worship team's got kind of a special music piece for us. I'll let them share a little bit about it, and uh, you're going to enjoy this. Yeah, so uh, Ethan and I grew up in a church in Gillette. Uh, we ended up calling it Church at the Barn. Uh, good old cowboy slash oil field church. And, um, yeah. And we had the idea that God likes all music. He just doesn't like some of the lyrics. <clears throat> This song kind of reflects that, but as I was looking at the worship set and knowing that this is Celebration Sunday, there's a one word that kind of filtered through all the songs. Uh, it's a Hebrew word. Uh, you've probably heard it before. It's known as hallelujah, and it's a two-part word. Um, the first part, halle, means like a great sound of victory. Um, so think about if you've ever seen international people watching a soccer game when their team scores. Or uh, probably Pastor Matt when the Cowboys make a touchdown. <laughs> no, that's me. <laughs> uh, that, that's what that means. Hallelujah means to God. So the word hallelujah means just a great shout of celebration to God. And I just thought that was cool that that was happening during Celebration Sunday. So, yeah, this is this should be an interesting song. I don't know the lyrics, but feel free to stand and uh, you'll figure, you'll figure it out. <laughs>
chapter 8. It'll take me a minute to get there, but I'll let you, uh, it may take you a minute to get there too, so I'll give you a head start. How many of you here today are like me, that you love going to parties, but throwing parties really isn't your thing? Now, I went to a party last night, and it was an incredible party. Uh, they hosted it so well, and uh, and it was it was just awesome. And I, uh, you know, people think that I can throw parties and host parties, but really, What's happening is that my wife is really, really good at, uh, at planning parties and details and making it come together. And uh, I enjoy going to them and there's parts of them that I'm able to help with, but it's not, you know, planning them, throwing them isn't my thing. My wife is a great party planner. She's coordinated events and receptions and large parties in another life. She could do that and make a lot of money doing it, but she really uh, does it because she loves it and, and she's passionate about it. She thinks through all the details, she covers every contingency, she makes the smallest things meaningful, and, uh, and they have purpose. For example, our kids' birthday parties. Um, if it was me, I'd be like, here's a card, tell me what you want for a gift, and the cake's in the fridge, right? That would be a good party, right? I don't see what's wrong with that. You don't have to eat vegetables all day long, happy birthday. Um, but our birthday parties in our house are a lot better than that. Uh, because uh, because of my wife, she she makes a big deal out of them. There's so many little touches and thoughtfulness, and things become special and unique. Um, for one of our first anniversaries together, I'm pretty sure that I got Melanie a box of chocolate and a card, and uh, I was just glad that I had remembered and planned something. I was like, I'm doing great. This is awesome. And she put together the story of us. And she had gone over the top and just had you know little things from the course of our relationship. And I was like, man, I knew I should have got the bigger box of chocolate. <laughs> I was just glad I'd done something, right? Um, but if party planning is left up to me, we're going to have a lot of meat. And we may or may not have anything to drink. Side dishes are optional, probably non-existent. And uh, just preparing parties to me is large quantities of meat. And some guys are like, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, but thank goodness I have a wife and our celebrations and our parties are much better than that. So there is a lot of pressure uh, when it's my wife's birthday or Mother's Day or any of those kinds of things because she's so good at making things special for other people. And I'm just like, take all my money and tell me what needs to happen because I have no, no clue. I just I, you know, I want to say, here's a ribs, here's some ribs and a steak and we'll call it good. Um, and it's not that I don't want to celebrate her. It's just that I'm really not good at making all the details come together. If, if it were to be good, it would be because she's involved 
in making it good, which kind of defeats the purpose. I mean, I could say, honey, which, can you plan something real nice for your birthday? And that just doesn't go over uh, very well. It doesn't cut it. Um, and I could be like, hey, kids, where does mom keep the box of special? You know, I, I don't even know where I find a candle in this house. Come on, somebody help me. Uh, special happens because my wife makes it happen. And I wonder how many of us, maybe not in that same way, but maybe you're here today and you struggle with celebrations. You, you know, you're maybe not necessarily challenged in the same ways that I am as far as planning and executing the celebration. But maybe you just struggle in even just finding time to stop and celebrate. And today I've titled the message, Why Celebrate Now? And we do this celebration Sunday thing every couple months, every two to three months. We just take a Sunday and we stop everything that's going on. We bring the kids in here, we do special stuff, do random stuff, we do crazy stuff, we give away uh, New Life Kids bucks to our kids for answering questions. And we do it uh, because we want to celebrate what God has done in our lives and in our church and, and, and in the course of the last six to eight weeks. We just believe that God's done so many incredible things. And we can get into a routine, we can get into a pattern where we just get so busy and we're just on to the next thing. On to the next thing, on to the next thing, and we don't stop to even recognize what he's done. We struggle stopping to celebrate it, and there's many reasons why we do that. Maybe you struggle with the tension between celebration and, and correction. You know, you don't feel like everything's going right in your life, that there's still things that are out of order, there's things that aren't, aren't the way that they need to be, and so why would you stop and celebrate? Or maybe it's the absence of completion, and you just think, well, I don't want to stop what I'm, what I'm doing. God's working something in me, but it's not quite there yet. And so we'll celebrate at the end. The problem is that leads to another thing and another thing and another thing. And we really never get to the end. But we don't want to stop and celebrate because we don't feel like it's complete. We do these celebration Sundays quite a bit. And the question arises, why do we do them so often? Why do we celebrate? Why do we have so many celebration Sundays? Why celebrate now? God's done some great things, but we haven't arrived at any level of anything. There's still so much more that we believe that God wants to do in our church and we just began to, to scratch the, sur the surface excuse me, of what he wants to do and, and what he's working in us. And our, we've been talking since the beginning of the year. We asked you to pray and fast about the direction of our church and what God's going to do. And we called it the 2020 vision. We believe that God's leading us somewhere and taking us somewhere. And we don't know all the details of that, but we're trusting him for it and we're praying and seeking direction. Any one of the kids that can help and tell me what the 2020 vision means. Yes. God's perfect plan. Give her a hand. Awesome job. We believe that the 2020 vision is just God's perfect plan for our church. And whatever it is, we want to follow that. We want to be a part of it. We want to hear from him. We don't want to come up with some big grand thing that's just of us. We're praying, God, would you open the right doors? Would you give us direction? And so why would we celebrate when we're still seeking direction of what the future is going to look like? We're outgrowing this building. Look around this service this morning. First service wasn't too much smaller than this. Maybe the, the next step is three services. Who knows what God's going to do? But this is a holiday weekend where a lot of people are out of town. A lot of people are not here in service today. But God's doing incredible things in our church. And it's not just today. Over the, the course of the last couple of years, God's been growing and moving and doing things in our church that's not of us. We're not celebrating our accomplishments. We're celebrating His and what He's done. But we're not there yet. So we can struggle with why do we stop and celebrate now when there's still so much more to come. There's still so many questions that have yet to be answered. And here's the thing. God has done some big things in our church. We mentioned last week the article that came out of the Assemblies of God News 
about new life. In fact, it's been featured this week on the front page of uh, the Assemblies of God USA website. Anyone that goes there, there's a big picture of Scott and Sanja in the grill tailgating and serving the community. It's awesome. It's so cool. There's some great things, but, but we're not a perfect church. We haven't arrived at any level of attaining anything. We believe God's just getting started with what he wants to do. There's still dreams to be fulfilled. There's great goals to accomplish. Why celebrate now when there's more to be done? There's things that God has spoken over this church that have yet to come to pass, and we're going to see them happen. So why celebrate now? Some of you struggle with this same concept, and you relate to it in your own lives. Maybe you have a little victory, but you still have a long way to go. Maybe you've lost two pounds and you say, I don't want to celebrate that. I need to lose 200 pounds. I'm not going to celebrate now. I'll celebrate when I lose the weight, when I hit that GPA, when I attain that relationship status that I want to attain. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not going to celebrate now. But some of you, I'm telling you this morning, you need to celebrate what God's done in your life, regardless of how small that it is. There's this tension and this balancing act and a, a question of how do we have contentment in life without being complacent. It's a struggle that we have. How can we stop and celebrate and yet not allow that to derail us from the progress that we're making or that God's making in our lives? Well, I want to share a passage with you from Nehemiah, and this is a great book. And I wish I had time to preach the whole book to you. We're not doing that today. I just want to share a little bit from this one passage uh, with you. Maybe sometime we'll come back and preach through the whole book of Nehemiah because it's worth it. It's valuable. It'll speak volumes to you. Maybe you just need to incorporate it into your daily Bible reading plan. Uh, but today we're just going to focus on Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9 and 10. And if you've been in a place of feeling like you want God to restore something that's been lost, or you feel like you've been defeated, but you believe God's going to restore those things in your life, Nehemiah is a great book about restoration. And, uh, what we have in Nehemiah chapter 8 to set up these verses for you, the city and the walls of Jerusalem, they've been in ruin for 150 years. 150 years, people have been in captivity and exile. And finally, Nehemiah gets permission. He gets, God opens the door. We talked last week about open doors and God opens this door and, and, and the people are allowed to leave captivity and go back. Some of them didn't want to, which that's a total different message for another day. How many times do we have an open door that God sits in front of us and we choose to stay where we are instead of walking through the door he provides. But the people that did go, they went and they rebuilt the walls in 52 days. Now let me just, walls that have been in ruin for 150 years are rebuilt in 52 days because of what God did through them. And it wasn't without pain and opposition and trouble. And the city still had a long way to go. This was just the walls. They figured it was, it was pointless to rebuild the city until the walls were in place because they would be vulnerable to attack and all kinds of things. And so they built the walls first. So the city still had a long way to go. So it's just the walls. But God was doing a great work of restoration. In Nehemiah 8, we see something interesting that happens. And I want you to check it out with me in verse 9 and 10. It says, Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, there's a lot more that you could read in this passage. You can really go back to, to chapter 7. Chapter 7 of Nehemiah is awesome. It has like 70 or 80 verses. Not a lot of chapters have that in the Bible, but it does. 
has nothing to do with this message, but it was just a neat side point for you. Go back and read chapter 7. Read ahead in chapter 8. You can find out more about this celebration that Nehemiah commands in the midst of a huge project, a huge undertaking, when they had finished the walls, but they still had so much more to accomplish in the city. Nehemiah calls the people to celebration. You can read later about how they spread the word of the celebration. They took branches of the trees and, and celebrated with a festival for seven days. It said their joy was incredibly great and that from the days of Joshua to then, there had not been a celebration like it before. Their joy was great. This is uh, an incredible celebration Sunday that turned into a celebration week. And there's some things that we can learn. The question can be asked of Nehemiah, why, why celebrate now? Why stop? When the walls are completed, yet the city has so much more that needs to be rebuilt. they just begun to rebuild the city. There was still a lot of work to be done. There was still opposition and struggles and challenges. But I want to share with you a few things that we can learn about celebrations from Nehemiah. And the first of those is that celebration is best step by step. Celebration is best step by step. The reason Nehemiah had the people stop to celebrate is because celebration is best step by step. He could have chosen only to look at how far they had to go, but, but instead he chose to remind the people how far God had brought them. It's easy to forget. It's easy to get bogged down how much further you have to go and how much more that there is to be accomplished, but that's the exact reason that we have to stop and celebrate how far we've come. We have to celebrate each step, even the small steps. God set an example of this from the beginning. What did God do after the first day of creation? Who remembers? Not yet. He stopped and he said, it's good. And then the second day of creation, what did he do? He stopped and he said, it's good. Well, God made it. Of course it's good. Why did he do it? I don't know exactly why, but there's an example there for us of stopping and recognizing and celebrating what's accomplished. If God did it, how much more do we need to celebrate each and every step, everything that he does, and stop and just look and say, God, it's so good. God, what you've done is so good. God, where you've brought me from in my life is so good. God, what you're doing in this church is so good. doesn't mean you don't resume. There's a next day and you continue going, but stop and celebrate what God has done. When kids begin to walk, what do parents do? They celebrate each and every step ridiculously. Like, absolutely ridiculously. Just watch a video of some parent celebrating their kid's first step. It's, it's the craziest thing you'll ever see. They don't care in that moment. Why? Because they want to celebrate every step. Is it because the kid is doing something great? I mean, in the grand scheme of things of his life, no. A first step, honestly, it's pretty wobbly and pitiful. It's really not much to be celebrated other than the fact that it's the first one. And you want to encourage him to continue going and to continue to make more steps. So what do you do when they fall down? You celebrate and you cheer. Yay, good job. And it's ridiculous. Like, what are you talking about? Good job. But you stop and you celebrate because it's a, it's a big first step and you want there to be more and you want it to continue. The kid's really not doing anything great. Most kids' steps are, or first steps are pretty pitiful, but, they, but the parents celebrate like they've just completed the Boston Marathon. It's, mm -hmm. it's crazy, but we have to celebrate the baby steps that we've taken so that we remember how far that we've come and we find the strength to take the steps that are ahead. I love this quote. I shared it on social media this week. Some of you mm -hmm. may have seen it, but it's a quote from John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace. He said, I'm not the man I ought to be. 
I'm not the man I wish to be, and I'm not the man I hope to be, but by the grace of God, I'm not the man that I used to be. Mm -hmm. yes. What an important recognition for us in our lives. Now, if you're like me, maybe there's a fear that if I, while not being the man that I ought to be or wish to be or hope to be, but being the man that I am, not the man that I used to be, if I stop and celebrate simply because I'm not the man I used to be, maybe complacency sets in. And maybe I lose focus of where I'm going. And if I celebrate now, will I still be able to push forward to my ultimate goal? Or will I come to a place where I say, well, maybe this is good enough. Maybe I can just settle here. And so we, we, we question, do we really want to celebrate now? Do we really want to stop the pro progress that we're making? And the answer to that is yes. If you've only lost two pounds, stop and celebrate the two pounds. Now, don't celebrate by putting on four pounds. That doesn't work. That's not what we're talking about here. If you've only paid off $20 of debt, celebrate that you paid off $20 of debt. Don't rack up $40 of debt celebrating the $20 of debt. But stop and acknowledge and thank the Lord for the progress that's happening in your life. Yeah. Maybe you're only sober for two weeks. Stop and thank God for every single day, every single moment. There's still a long road ahead. It doesn't mean you get complacent. It doesn't mean you, you go back to those things that you struggle with, but you stop and you thank God and you celebrate. Here's what Nehemiah understood, and what we have to understand is that you can't have all sacrifice and no celebration. The people that Nehemiah was leading, they had sacrificed. It talks about how at times they had a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand because of the opposition. And here's the thing that that you can't have all sacrifice and no, and no celebration. You also can't have all celebration and no sacrifice mm -hmm. because nothing ever gets accomplished. We're celebrating Memorial Day this weekend, and we do it because all gave some, but some gave all. Mm -hmm. It's because of sacrifice that we're able to stop and celebrate today. So these people, they've been out there rebuilding the wall and working and fighting opposition all in 52 days, they rebuilt the walls from 150 years of ruin, and that, I guarantee you, wasn't part-time work. I believe it was miraculous. I don't believe they did it in their own strength, in their own ability, their own power. I believe that would have been impossible, but it doesn't mean that it didn't wear on them. When God uses you, when God empowers you for a task, it doesn't mean that it doesn't physically drain you, that you don't need to take a moment to separate yourself and pause and rest and reflect and thank God and, and acknowledge what he's done. There's been, there had been sacrifice. There was, there was need for celebration. And Nehemiah knew that you can't have constant sacrifice without celebration. And that celebration isn't just for completion because if you're doing something that's bigger than you, then it's going to take some time to see it through. And you have to celebrate step by step. I wonder what is it that God has begun to do in your life. Maybe he's beginning the rebuilding and restoration of something that's, uh, that you look at and you think, man, there's still a long way to go. You look at it and you say, I, I want to celebrate what God has done, but, but I still have a long road ahead. I'm challenging you today to stop and celebrate what God has done. The Bible says that we shouldn't despise the small beginnings. Maybe it seems almost insignificant in light of what needs to take place in your life, but don't despise the, the things that God is doing in the beginning and, and where he's brought you from. Stop and celebrate it. It's worthy of being celebrated. You have to be able to say, where I am now ain't bad. Come on, say it. Some of you, that's hard because you're like, it ain't good. <laughs> Come on, say it again. Where I am now ain't bad. Think about where you were. It's a holiday weekend. You can say ain't bad. <laughs> School's out. 
Where I'm going next is even better. Come on, say it. Where I am ain't bad. Where I'm going next is going to be even better. But the only way I'll have strength for the next step. Come on, say it. The only way I'll have strength for the next step is to stop and celebrate where I am. And we need to learn it. We need to live it. God's brought us so far. There's still a long way to go. Your churches used to celebrate uh, a little bit more, and they would they would have testimony time, and people would share what God was doing in their lives. Sometimes it's scary because you never know what someone's going to say. And and this morning, I want us to just have an old-fashioned testimony time. We're not going to take long, but I think there's a person or two. God's done something in your life. I'm going to give you the mic. I'm going to I'm going to just hand it to you. Come on, who's got something? Something God's done in your life. Something He's brought you from. Come on, Ryan. Many of you may have heard my testimony on Palm Sunday on the video. And since then, uh, it's just been exponential what God has done in my life. And uh, it's amazing, too. Um, the main thing that he's done is help me realize where I've sinned and what I've done wrong and, and how to help me stop that. And uh, it's just uh, the... The spirit that's been filled after breaking me down that just keeps happening and keeps happening every time. So it's just just want to praise God and thank Him for that. I also wanted to say my mother is uh, traveling from her childhood home, moving for the first time to Wichita, Kansas. And uh, this morning I sent her. She's been supposed to be leaving for about a week and a half now. Uh, I sent her a text this morning that it would be great if she could start her new life. Uh, coming to New Life Service this morning, and she made it here, so just yeah. praise Him. Come on, I need one more. I'm not scared. I'm rolling the dice this morning. Let's go. Let's go. Sorry. Um, guys, I just want to um, say thanks to our God. Um, in uh, the 6th of February, I went to have a and um, as I went, um, they didn't get to work on it. Um, they think maybe now that they may have given me too much medicine, but I went into um, cardiac arrest. And um, I guess I did that several times. And so um, it was so hard coming out of there thinking that I didn't have this hip replaced so I could walk. And and not knowing what God wanted for me to do um, because I'm a very active person and I think he needed to slow me down and make me really pay attention to him and so um, we're going Wednesday to see if we can get it replaced again so I just covet your prayers. Thank you, guys. Um, and just praise our God because he's an awesome God. I think we've got a kid that needs a new life buck to share something that's, that God's done in their life. We've got any kids that are, they got a testimony. It could be short. It could be simple. Got a buck on the line. Who wants it? Come on, Michael. Sit up and tell me something that God's done in your life. God has brought my dad back for the weekend, even though he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Yay. 
Come on, that's, that's amazing. You know, there's so much, I said earlier, we could take the whole service and just share testimonies, and, and, we, and we should share more. Because it's important to celebrate what God, I love what Ryan said, man. He had a testimony video on Palm Sunday just six weeks ago or whatever it was. And he's like, I got another testimony since six weeks ago. That's why we have Celebration Sunday. Because if not, you just miss. You just skip over from, from one big thing to the next. It's important to celebrate what God's doing in our lives. There's so much that I could testify about what God's doing in our church. Since our last Celebration Sunday, we had our, our ladies' Bible study kind of wrap up. And, and God did incredible things. We had more women at that Bible study than we've ever had at a Bible study. They had to do two of them. And uh, it was awesome to see what God did in our women. A couple weeks ago, we, we shared the, the testimony that uh, we were raising money for, for kids to go to camp and youth to go to camp. And we had our auction. And it was just a, a little bitty auction. It wasn't really a big deal. But we raised over $3,000 for kids to go to camp. And we've got a record number of kids and youth going to camp this summer. And that's awesome. God's going to change lives. They're going to encounter him in a powerful way. Just last week at men's retreat, God did powerful things in people's lives. There's some other men that need to testify about what, what, what God did in their life at men's retreat. It's awesome. I want to share with you a letter that we received this week from Springfield, uh, from the national headquarters. It's completely unexpected, but it's just a, a celebration of what God has done in our church and what he's done in and through you. So I received this this week, and it says, Dear Pastor Baumgartner, I, I still think that's my dad every time I hear that, but <laughs> on behalf of Assemblies of God World Missions Executive Director Greg Mundus, I want to share with you and thank you for the significant increase in missions giving of New Life Assembly of God, increasing 32% from 2017 to 2018, which is an incredible blessing. This refers to your all areas giving, which includes your Speed the Light, which our students do, the BGMC, which the kids do, Light for the Lost, as well as the monthly missions giving to your missionaries serving in our country and around the world. Thank you, Pastor Baumgartner, for inspiring your congregation to greater giving, which enables us to keep advancing as the Lord continues to guide our mission. Over the last couple of years, what God has done at New Life is nothing short of miraculous. It's like rebuilding walls that have been in ruins for 150 years in 52 days. Mm -hmm. But what's incredible about this letter is that it's not just that God's doing the work and it's being contained inside the four walls of this building. What God is doing here is impacting our community. It's touching neighbors and friends and students on the university campus. It's impacting people around our state, around the country, and around the world. And it's worth celebrating what God is doing. And if we just rush from one thing to the next thing and just say, okay, we've been there, we've done that, what's next? And there's adrenaline that comes along with that. But there's something powerful, powerful about stopping and just saying, God, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for where you've brought us from. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. The second thing that we can learn about celebration from Nehemiah is that celebration is what brings strength. Nehemiah is giving the instruction about the celebration. He says, don't grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the temptation is just to push through. We can celebrate at the end. Don't stop. Keep going. Fight through the pain, the sweat, the blood, the tears. But Nehemiah says, no, stop. Don't grieve. Celebrate. Because that's what's going to give you the strength to complete the task. 
Why celebrate now? Why celebrate so often? I want you to know that skipping the celebration sabotages the strength because we can't do what God's called us to do in our own strength. When we reflect on the great things that God has done, when we take a moment and we stop and we say, God, I'm looking at where you brought me from and I can't believe it. I'm so thankful, God, we worship you. You're the great I am, as we were singing earlier this morning. When we stop and do that, we acknowledge what he's done, and it recharges us. It reminds us, it refreshes that, that spirit of that power inside of us so that we can do what God's called us to do. And you may be saying, there's so much junk in my life. I don't want to celebrate in the midst of dysfunction. I don't want to stop in, in the midst of mediocrity. When I get my act together, then I can celebrate, and then I can be baptized, then I can become a member, then I can do this or that or the other, and I'm just telling you no. Stop and acknowledge what God's done. Stop and build an altar to thank him for what he's done in your life. Celebrate it and then don't miss an opportunity for your strength to be rejuvenated so that you can have the strength you need to complete the task that God has for you. Don't miss the celebration of small steps just because there's more steps to be taken. There's always going to be more that God is going to do. We don't arrive as long as we're alive. So you've got to stop and celebrate along the way. So what the entire city has to be rebuilt. So what? You're never going to have the strength to take those steps until you celebrate the steps you've already taken. Sometimes you have to celebrate that the walls have been rebuilt. Celebration really isn't even as much an activity as it is an attitude. It's a choice to wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's an attitude. That's a determination. That I'm going to celebrate in the midst of whatever's going on. It's about the condition of your heart. Understanding that I'm the interior decorator of my own heart. And I can set the tone and the attitude of what's happening in, in, inside of me. And that's going to chart the course for my life. It's going to refill me with the strength that I need. David Letterman told the first service he, he, he missed his calling. He should have been a youth pastor. He would have been a great youth pastor. I love David Letterman. There were seasons in life where we watched him every, every evening. And uh, before his last show, he was asked about the celebration that was going to take place with his last show. And he said this. He said, I'm dreading it. It's going to be some kind of celebration of the past, and I hate that. And maybe some point after we get through it, I'll look back and see what we've done. But for now, I just want to get it over with. Sometimes we live our lives that way. I just want to get it over with. I just want to get this season over with. I just want to get this walls rebuilt. I want to get the city done. I, I want to press on to the next thing. And we, we, we skip the celebration, and we're missing out on something important. The Bible says it's not by our might or our power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. We can't complete the task on our own. We're going to need the strength of the Lord. It's not going to happen overnight. We need a supernatural strength that comes from the joy of the Lord. It happens when we stop and recognize and celebrate who God is and what he's done. And the celebration can look like different things in our, in our lives. In Nehemiah chapter 8, you can read the first part of the chapter, some things that they did. They built a big stage, and Ezra got up there, and he began to read the law. And we think, oh, he was reading the Bible. That's awesome. They had a marathon reading the Bible. Well, he's probably like reading Leviticus. It probably wasn't super exciting. Like, and, he, and it says he did it from dawn until, until daybreak or whatever. I mean, some of you thought my sermons were long, but I could get up here and preach about Leviticus for the next six hours, and we could see. But look what's happening in the midst of that. He's up there reading the law, and people are, are weeping. To the point that Nehemiah has to stop and say, no, we're celebrating. Stop. Don't mourn. Don't grieve. Don't weep. Some of you cry in church, and some of you have told me, every time I come to this church, God just moves and end up crying. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a biblical pattern for you. 
The Bible says there are people that raise their hands and said amen and worship God. It's all, it's all there. And some of you, you're like, that's not really my kind of celebration. Well, there's different kinds. Nehemiah also tells them, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. That's my kind of celebration, right? Lots of meat. We're getting some, we, we have some pretty amazing food and drinks in our church. And today we had the brunch between services. Maybe you were here for that. Kyle did coffee. We celebrate with food and drinks quite a bit. We have donuts and coffee every week. I think that's one part of the celebration that we, we do well. But I want to challenge you. Don't sabotage your strength by skipping the celebration. It may be worship. It may be food and drinks. It may be a lot of meat. It may be getting together with other people. It may be sharing a testimony of what God has done. In Nehemiah, they stopped for seven days and had a festival. It wasn't just a celebration Sunday. It turned into a celebration week. The final thing that we learned about celebration from Nehemiah is that celebration is better when it's shared. Mm-hmm. He told the people not only to go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, but also told them, send some to those that have nothing prepared. In other words, it's better when it's shared. We're created to do life together. It's not a thing that you do in quiet and secret and you keep to yourself. Celebrate with others and celebrate others. How many of you ever spent a birthday by yourself? Maybe a season of life where you're like, well, this birthday is going to be awesome. I'm going to sit in my room and eat an entire tub of ice cream by myself. <laughs> you may have enjoyed that. <laughs> so you're like, is that sad? I do that all the time. Uh, you may have enjoyed that, but isn't it better? Even if you don't like people going through a lot of trouble for you, it's something special about people celebrating you, something meaningful about it. When people write thoughtful, meaningful comments, one of the best things that, that, that gives life to people is when someone celebrates them, but we miss opportunities to celebrate others because we get so busy as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the power to make someone's day just by letting them know that you see the little steps that they're taking and it's a big deal. You know someone that sacrificed and that they're making progress, let them know. Who do you know that had a tough choice to make but they made the right decision? Celebrate them. Some of you could send a text message to someone today and it would be the highlight of their weekend. In fact, we want to celebrate a few people right now in the service. And one of the things that we celebrate on Celebration Sunday is we celebrate one volunteer at our church and how they serve. And there's so many people that serve in our church and do so many different things. And so we just take a little bit of time on Celebration Sunday just to say thank you for them and all that they do. And one of the reasons that we can celebrate with great food and drinks is because there are people that provide them. They arrive early and they serve so that others can have this, these things. And this volunteer sacrifices and serves, arriving early so that we can have fresh hot coffee and hot chocolate and all that other amazing stuff. And she will tell you that coffee is her ministry. And so I want you to put your hands together and show some appreciation for Kayla Lercy today. And that's a perfect picture because not only does it have a coffee cup, but it's got her coffee helpers that are a part of that coffee ministry. We love and appreciate her for serving. I want to challenge you, if you want to have a happy marriage, find ways to celebrate your spouse regularly. Not just the 25-year anniversary. There's other, other moments. Celebrate that it's a Monday. Celebrate whatever it is that you can. Find things to celebrate all the time. You want to make your home and your family a place where celebration is common. I'm not talking just about participation trophies, but I am saying don't wait until your kid graduates high school to tell them that you love them and that you're proud of them. Mm-hmm. Celebrate them regularly. Today in our church family, we're going to celebrate some big things that are happening in our church family. And uh, 
The first of those is we're going to celebrate some graduates. And in the back, you may have seen we have a table that's set up there for, uh, for different graduates. Some graduated high school, some from college, some from the Wyoming School of Ministry. They're pursuing the call that God's placed on their lives. And we've got a few pictures of them, and some people sent me pictures, and so I, I use the pictures they sent. Other people didn't, so I just used pictures that I stole off their Facebook. And if it was good enough for a profile picture at one point, it's good enough for this, right? We'll find out. So let's uh, let's just go through these. First, we have a high school graduate, and we're so excited. Andrew Luke Martinez. Andy, would you celebrate? <laughs> we have a University of Wyoming graduate. Go to the next one. Jesse Winter, would you celebrate? <laughs> Put your hands together. This next person didn't really want to be recognized and celebrated because they didn't walk at graduation. Their husband wasn't here, and then, so they're going to come back and walk in the fall. But the accomplishment was accomplished nonetheless. And so we want to celebrate Adeline Gordy. And we've got some students that, like I said, they've got a call of God on their life. And uh, they've been pursuing ministry with the Wyoming School of Ministry. Would you celebrate Jacob and Sierra Nelson? Yeah. 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 We've got some gifts for you. If you're here, one of our graduates, would you just come up here? Melanie's got a card for you. And let's just celebrate, put our hands together for all of them one more time. All of our graduates, come on down. Thank you so much that you're a part of this church and we get to celebrate you. It's our honor. The next thing that we're going to do is we have a, a baby dedication. And I'm going to ask baby Lexington to bring mom and dad up front because we're going to dedicate him to the Lord. something that comes when a person comes of age to make that decision for themselves. However, dedication is appropriate for Christian parents and for their children, really of any age, to, to follow the biblical example um, of bringing a child to be dedicated to the Lord. Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple. Hannah took Samuel to be dedicated to the Lord. So we're going we're gonna to do that today. We're going to acknowledge as parents a role and responsibility to raise this child, their son, to serve the Lord and to honor him, but also us as a church family, we have a responsibility as well to this child, to this family. And so we want to we want to do that today. To the parents, I want to let you know that as you've already figured out with the first one, the parenting a child is not easy. It's a big responsibility. 
I think it's interesting that before you drive a car, there's training and testing. Even before you play laser tag, you have to watch a video that tells you the instructions about it. But just about anybody can have a child without any kind of preparation or training. And it's one of the, the greatest responsibilities that we have in life as parents to our children. You both are going to need God's help and wisdom in raising Lexington and setting an example for him of what it means to follow the Lord. Lexington's going to have many friends. He's going to be a popular guy. I can already tell. He's a looker. He's going to have a lot of role models in life, teachers and youth pastors and children's pastors. But ultimately, his greatest influence will come from home, and he will be most like what he sees in his father and his mother. So I challenge you both to set an example as godly parents, abiding by biblical principles in your home and lives. I challenge you to place a great value on God's word in your home and create a place where Christ is honored. The responsibility of Christian parents involves praying for your children, instructing them in the way of the Lord, setting a godly example, discipling them, and disciplining them as the Lord disciplines us. And there's going to be a lot of people that come alongside to plant seeds and invest, and, and but ultimately decision for him to follow the Lord is going to be a result of what he receives in the home, and it's ultimately your responsibility as, as parents. If you're willing to make this commitment for Lexington, will you both say, I will? I will. You will? Say it in here. I will. I will. Awesome. You're going to be a good big sister. Would you give him a hand? Church, we have a responsibility to this baby and to his parents. And it's not just a one-way commitment. The church has a responsibility to provide for Lexington an example of a Christian church family through nursery workers, kids' church teachers, youth group leaders, and on and on and on. When you serve, you're, you're investing in this. So I challenge you, New Life, today to be the church that God has called you to be, to be an example for Lexington and for all the kids that grow up in New Life Church to create an atmosphere that would cause them to love God and to love His church for the rest of their life. What they see in you will go a long way in determining their relationship with church forever. So it's got to be real. If you're willing to make this commitment for Lexington and for all the kids of our church, will you say, I will? Now's the fun part. I get to hold this guy. This is awesome. He's saying right now his first words, Dallas Cowboys, go Cowboys. <laughs> Hear it. That's awesome. Write this down in the baby book. Dallas Cowboys, May 26, 2019. Would you start to hand out to this little guy and to his family? Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that children are a gift from the Lord. And Lord, we, we know that this one's a miraculous one from you. Your fingerprints are all over him. And Lord, you know the future the plans that you have for his life. We're thankful for his family. We're thankful for his life. We're thankful for what you're going to do in and through him. And Lord, we pray that you would just move in a powerful way in his life. Lord, we don't believe that children have to turn away from their faith and their relationship with you and sow wild oats and come back. We believe that it's possible for kids to live and serve you every day of their life. And Lord, we pray that for Lexington through godly examples at home and in this church that you would move in his life and that he would know you at an early age that he would serve you all the days of his life. We dedicate him to you and we thank you for him.
In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give them another hand today? We've got a gift. Four years certificate and a tiny testament. First Bible for it. And we love you guys. We're so excited about what God's doing in your families. It's pretty big, pretty big time for you. Graduation, baby, all this, all of the above. We love you guys so much. Thank you so much. Give them one more hand. One more thing that we're going to celebrate today. We have a family that's joining the church and becoming members today. And I'd like to invite the Martinez family to come forward this morning. The whole family can come. And and I just took a picture on Facebook. I just, I told you. It's the best I can do. Now you need a good family picture on Facebook. That's what it needs to have. So I'm going to take a picture and put it on Facebook for them today. <laughs> I love these guys. I love what God's doing in their family. I love that he's brought them here and that he's, he's working inside of them in different ways. We celebrated Indy already, and it's just the beginning. It's not the last time we're going to celebrate what God does in your life. But we're excited to see what that looks like. Today, the step that you're taking in becoming members of New Life, it's a wonderful thing. And today we celebrate you. And that traditional term membership is one that's been used for a long time. But really, the biblical idea that I believe gives us the right model is not so much membership as, as partnership. Membership in our society paints a picture of, of benefits and perks and rights that you assume as a member. And, and uh, I don't have a membership card for you to give you to get you 10% off of your gas or anything like that. So if that's what you're hoping for, that's not what it's about. But partnership is a benefit that's received as you commit to it. New Life Church is better because you guys are a part of it. And it's our prayer that you guys as a family are better because you're a part of this church. And so today we welcome you as, as members into partnership with New Life Church. And we pray that you will get out of it what you put into it. And as much as you press into the things of the Lord and serve him alongside this church family, that you would be blessed beyond anything that you invest here. We want more for you than we want from you. That's important to us. So I charge you as members to leave your mark on this church and to contribute in a way that will leave New Life Church better than you found it. Today we recognize that New Life Assembly of God exists because of those who went before and laid a foundation. And without their contribution, we wouldn't be here today. However, we also believe that the best days are ahead for New Life Church. And we believe that you guys are part of it. For however long that that may be, for whatever ways that God chooses to use you, we're better because you're a part of what God's doing here. So I charge you to leave your mark and to contribute through your prayer through your active involvement, through your giving, through your testimony, and through your witness. And I want to speak just as briefly about each of those things. And when it comes to prayer, I ask that you would make a commitment to regularly pray for the church and its leadership and that God's will would be accomplished as we follow him. For active involvement, I ask that you support the church by attending services. You're here on Memorial Day weekend, so you're doing pretty good. Working together and playing a part in development and growth of the church. Through your giving, I'm asking that you give it your time, your talent, and your treasure, that you trust God with your finances and know him as your provider. Tithing is a biblical command, but I encourage you to grow even more in generosity. Be sensitive to the spirit of what he would lead you 
to give beyond your finances, beyond any of that. Just be sensitive to his spirit. And that you'll experience blessings that come through obedience and generosity. Through your witness, I ask that you live a life that's exemplary to those that are inside and outside this church. To set an example through unity with others, holiness and actions and godliness that will represent Christ and his church in a way that honors him. Will you commit to supporting New Life Church through your prayers, your active involvement, your giving, and through your witness? If you will, say, I will. I need to know where my picture is. You were supposed to do a picture for me, and I'm, I'm missing it. Where is it? You going to get it for me later? All right. I'm going to hold you to it. I charge you as fellow members of this body to love and accept these new members, to leave your mark on their lives so that they can grow together and that they would be better because they've been a part of New Life Church. I charge you to provide a godly example for their children and future children. I don't know if that's prophetic or... <laughs> grandchildren their children that they would love the church and love God as a result of having been a part of this church for this season and we recognize that we're not an exclusive club we're not a secret society but we're a growing family we celebrate those that desire to call New Life Church their home will you commit to loving and supporting and praying for them and working alongside them sharing in their joys in their struggles and as our community grows and changes being committed to them and to this church family if you will would you say i will we love you guys would you stretch out a hand toward this family lord we just pray a blessing upon this family we we believe that the steps of the righteous are ordered of you and their steps have been directed to this church and we're so thankful that they're a part of this family we're thankful for the blessing that they are in serving you here we're thankful for what you're doing in their family and how you're moving. God, I pray that they would sense your presence in their home even more. Every single one of them would know and grow in you in deeper ways as a result of having been here, that they would experience you in greater ways, and that you would move in their lives and their families. Lord, we, we commit their future to you. We commit them to you, and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated for just a minute. We're going to have you come back up here at the end so people can come by and hug your neck and shake your hand. Would you put your hands together and welcome them to the New Life Church family. Life is better together. We have lots to celebrate. And it's worth it to take some time to celebrate what God is doing 